Uh, all right, podcast. Dude, yeah, I can't say that. Yeah. Choo, 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 Sunday, Sunday, Sunday. Okay, so let's move seamlessly now. And I'm Turt Reynolds? Uh, <laughs> Dirty then. Double uh, <laughs> <Settle> down, Don. <laughs> we need to give a parental advisory for this? Clicking furiously on my mouse. Eat uh, <laughs> Eat the paella. <laughs> That's hot. All right, everybody. Let's get swifty. That was cool. That was fun, guys. Awesome. Yeah. Oh. Welcome to another episode of Men of Low Moral Fiber, the show that always sacrifices itself for the greater good, even if that good is dating our brother and holds a grudge based on his untimely death and how I probably could have prevented it. But anyway, I'm your host, Ben Helms, and with me, as always, is my time-traveling, radio-tuning, ghost-awakening older brother and co-host, Jason Helms. How's it going, man? I was going good till you talked about dating your brother. Yeah, um, it was weird. No, yeah, my no. brother was dating someone. Sure. You sacrificed that person for yeah. the brother. It's weird. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It's weird. No, it's weird to have your brother date someone. Yeah. So you might as well just sacrifice your life. Yeah, exactly. Boom. Exactly. Well, she was kind of annoying. Dude, that game was scary. Yeah, that game was terrifying. So we're actually recording this in person. It's like our once a year, our annual tradition of recording an episode in the same room. It's kind of weird. So if we sound better than usual, uh, a little bit more authentic, a little bit more real, a little yeah. bit less uh, artificial. Dairy gross. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Just, just uh, put the mic inside the mouth. Hey, man, so I know you're not like the video game head in the family, but how do you think this video game compared to like the previous ones we played? Well, as you and our listeners are well aware, I am not a fan of anything that is um, scary yeah. or not suspenseful. A fan of you didn't like it when we when we watched that. No, I no, did not. Did no, not care not for that. A clown fan. So for for me, you know, trying to find the silver lining and everything. I think what really stood out to me in this game were the family relationships, oh, and yeah, and sure. I think for me they brought back, you know, in in kind of a maybe an odd way, just some nostalgia about growing up with my siblings and some memories that I have of adventures around our our town and in the woods. Did you and your siblings go to like a haunted island just for fun? No. Just get drunk on the beach? (laughs) No. We never went to a haunted island. But yeah, I think that that was an area where my brother, who's the youngest of my siblings, and I really had a chance to connect and bond. Oh, Um, yeah. And I, you know, that wasn't something that I necessarily shared in the same way with my sisters. And so... Yeah, I think for me, this definitely, this game more than any other video game I played, at least, made me wish that I had a brother, someone to share these adventures with, someone to kind of talk about these games with. Not that it's not fun talking with you about them, but yeah, it would be nice to have a brother. We played Oxen Free last night. It came out in January 2016-ish. Uh, and yeah, I bought this game over a year ago. Been putting it off till last night. We sat down late at night. We played it till early in the morning. And it scared us to death. Ben's basement is terrifying. That's yeah. that's the first part you need to understand. Yeah. Is like going down in the basement to play Golf Story, which is the other thing we've been doing this week, uh, has also been scary. True, true. And so it, it, Oxen Free is scary, but this was the right way to do it. Yeah, yeah. And a hundred and ten inch screen too. That helps. This game is gorgeous. It was really Sounded pretty. good. It looked really good. pretty. Yeah. All right. So first we're gonna talk about some of the development. We'll talk about some of the ARG, which I didn't even know what that was until about fifteen minutes ago. Uh then we'll get into the gameplay, of course, which is what I'm looking forward to talking about the most. Uh then we'll talk about uh what's the beer, what's the song? If this game were a beer and or a song, what would it be? Uh then we'll talk about what else we're playing, what we're playing next month. And then I think that's the end of the episode. And that's how it ends. <laughs> uh, yeah, then we run yeah, out of things yeah, to say. And then we're done. And, uh, and yeah. then we stop, uh, we stop recording. Cool. All right. So, Jay, tell me about the game. All right. So, uh, Oxen Free came out 
January 2016, like we said. Uh, it was the first game from Night School Studio, which was founded in 2014 by Sean Cranklin and Adam Hines. Cranklin Hines. Cranklin Hines. That's a good oh, 70s cop drama. Yeah, well, they're cousins too, so oh, they got the related. Yeah, well, one's one's dirty, one's clean. Uh-huh. Cranklin Hines Cranklin on the Hines. case. Cranklin Hines. I'm not hauling you to my office one more time. You're off the force. Give me your gun, and your Give badge. Your badge. So after they turned in their guns and badges, uh, they went to start a uh, video game company. Each had uh, worked at Telltale and uh, Disney Interactive separately and then uh, got the chance to work together um there's our lucas arts connection right yes there. yes yeah. doubly yeah. doubly so doubly so yeah and so uh they wanted to tell uh a horror story uh some of the initial ideas for the game were that uh they wanted it to not have cutscenes, to be very story heavy but all the cutscenes to be just within the gameplay which the game did a really good job of i noticed that i could generally walk around and interact while the quote-unquote cutscenes were happening, because it wasn't yeah. actually a cutscene, it was still gameplay. Yeah. And they wanted the horror elements to be Spielbergian horror. You know, not really terrifying, but really that poltergeist level where it's somewhere between adventure and horror. Yeah, just like a Spielberg movie, I felt like we were waiting for jump scares, and they were very rare. Yep. Like, during the credits or whatever, at the end of the credits, it was black, like, because it's a piece of medium. And right, that's what no, happens. I've heard of that happening before. <laughs> I was waiting for, like, some ghost or monster or something to happen, even though the story was over, I was still waiting for some sort of jump scare. I was definitely more scared than I probably should have been, which is done right. That's yeah. horror done right. And a lot of the jump scares were when you, especially on a 110-inch screen, when you notice something that the characters have already seen. Right. Like, the characters respond and go, what the hell is that? And you're like, yeah, what, what is it? Where don't, is it? Where, don't oh, look in the mirror. Oh, way upper right? Okay, just never look in any mirrors. So many mirrors. Yeah, so uh, spoilers from here on out. Should yeah. we say that? Yeah, yep, 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 yep. Yeah, and so the game uh, builds pretty heavily on decision trees, uh, dialogue trees, and they actually try to keep those pretty simple. Mm-hmm. So uh, it leads towards a few endings. I, I think we could compare this pretty well to some Telltale games. You know, we've talked about sure. the Game of Thrones one here, uh, and I don't think that there's actually more in terms of interaction, even though it's a longer uh, game than most Telltale games. Well, uh, iffy, but yeah. uh, you get a lot more uh, out of the gameplay, whereas the Telltale games tend to just be the actual dialogue trees. Yeah. Uh, they kept the dialogue trees here f- pretty simple. Yeah, that's um, true. As I was looking into it, uh, they had used subtitles as they kind of put together the game, so just no actual voice acting, just what they thought the script mm. would be. And they had all the uh, voice actors record separately with, I think it was Heinz, I could have it backwards, uh, in the recording studio with him oh, directing nice. the recordings. That's cool. Yeah, so they could change it at the last second. That's um, cool. And you know, if a line didn't sound right, they could rewrite it. Uh, and just do it again. The tough part here is they recorded all of them separately. So one actor would do all of their lines, yeah. all the different op- options, uh, including all of the expansion stuff, which was already recorded then. Yeah. And then they'd have somebody else do it. So they really didn't know if the game would be fun at all until yeah. they had someone play it. Which I thought the game sounded great from the dialogue to the soundtrack, the score, like everything sounded amazing. And it looked gorgeous too. For I always think of these independent games as like, oh, we'll have to sacrifice some of that for a kick-ass story or a really cool game mechanic, but I thought this game held up on all three of those, right? If you talk about just overall game mechanic, audio and visual and story, those kind of three areas, I thought it was superb in all of those as far as quality. Yeah, it, it was really high quality, but it also felt really coherent, which for is sure. tough. I mean, it's nice that they had such a small team, mm-hmm. but also it's tough when you record all the audio separately to know how that's going to work when you pull it back together. Yeah. Uh, as far as the audio, by the way, it was all uh, composed by sound designer Andy Roman, Roarman, 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 uh, who goes by the name uh, Scientific, uh, and yeah, he, he did all of Oxenfree's audio uh, from the he did the, the vinyl soundtrack, he did all of the scoring, sound effects, everything, uh, and he said it was his goal, or Crinkle actually said it was his goal for the the music to feel 
both analog and digital, which is, which is actually a thought I had during the game. You feel that part of the game, you have these reel-to-reels that you're turning and, and speeding up and slowing down, and it felt like during times in the game there was this chorus or flange type effect where you're modulating and tuning up the score in the background as the the front and the four or the, as the score in the background is staying the same. So very cool analog and digital effects throughout the whole soundtrack, uh, which it made it feel kind of grounded and ethereal at the same time, which makes sense because you're grounded in reality, but you also have this ghost storyline, this sci-fi horror going on at the same time while you're in reality. So mirrored the, the story very well. Uh, and yeah, I mean, that also goes back to kind of the, mirroring the past of everything on the island being from, you know, 50, 60 years ago plus, uh, but, you know, set in modern times. Uh, and I, one last thing on the sound is that the shortwave radio that Alex uses, the main character uses throughout the game, was actually created by recording sounds through a World War II era radio set, which I thought was cool. Part of me was like, this sounds That's too awesome. good That's to awesome. be faked in like Logic or Pro Tools, and which... They actually used analog material or analog uh, tools to make that, which I thought was pretty sweet. Yeah, that's fantastic. Anything else on the the development, making of? Uh, That's about it. They did a pretty good job of releasing it slowly, having a teaser trailer at GDC. But it was already getting some buzz before it came out. Uh, And then it it landed really, really well. Or I I should say uh, people were... Very ambivalent on it. it. It was a mixed reaction of people thinking this is like the greatest game in years. Right. And people saying, um, this isn't a video game. Yeah, Because I didn't man. get to shoot anybody. Yeah, and that's that's what we get, right? For a lot of these, this wasn't really the first person walking simulator that like Gone Home, uh, with, uh, Gone Home, Edith Finch, Firewatch, what was the space one? Uh, t- Tacoma. Tacoma. But it felt a lot like those. Yeah. In the sense that the dialogue tree aspect of it, the fact that you have this illusion of choice within a lot of the story. uh, We'll get more into kind of the fact that you do have a little more choice in this one than you do those previous ones. But any other reasons why this game felt so much like those? I guess maybe it's just the the mumpness of adventure game. Yeah. Ties that in. That's why we wanted to play in the first place. Yeah. Uh, And there's just a certain like um, ethos to it, a certain character of uh quirky uh the humor is a a certain type of humor that meets yeah. that that really fits with firewatch the Lindsay weirdness the Lindsay weirdness right uh exactly so uh the character of alex was actually based off of Lindsay weir she was one of the biggest influences on it i love Lindsay that. weir from freaks and geeks like we even had to say that yeah you knew it you knew it dear listener. <laughs> that that show that was canceled after one season 15 years ago we all know it <laughs> it that spawned every show you've ever seen and firefly wait no sorry yes, freaks yeah. and geeks the other one. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I thought that was great. Though. That, as soon as you said that, when you, when you found that out, I was just like, yeah, that makes perfect sense. You love Lindsay Weir as a character as soon as you see her on screen. And you same with Alex. It's like, oh, I can relate. Even we even stopped the game early on when we were playing it. And we're like, what do we want this character? We don't know anything about her backstory when the game starts. What do we want to, because we were playing the game together. What? How do we want to play this character? Do we want her to just be a rebel who wants to piss everyone off? Do we want her to be trying to earn everyone's love throughout the whole game? Kind of middle of the road. And we ended... Somewhere in the middle, we actually picked a mutual friend of ours. We're like, let's play it as her. And what would she say during all of these? Because we wanted to be a realistic character and not just kind of push the boundaries, find where the game can be broken or or piss everyone off the whole time. So yeah. I thought that was a good way to do it, right? It felt more realistic that way. Yeah, totally. And one thing that jumped out to me is the way that Alex as a character kind of resisted some of that. And so you started to yeah. figure out who Alex was, that no matter what these options were, there was kind of a, 
an essential Alexness to it. Yeah, that she true. could have said any of these three things at any given moment. Yeah, yeah. that's true. Tell me what ARG is, and, and yeah, tell me about this. Yeah, so an ARG is an alternative alternative reality game. And so um, I'm trying to think of some other examples. I remember Nine Inch Nails had one ooh, probably close to 15, 20 years ago uh, around their uh, year, year Zero album, I think was the name of the album. Anyway, this is a game that uh, you get clues through media that leads you to something in real life. Uh, okay. With Nine Inch Nails, it was uh, weird USB flashcards that were like hidden in bathrooms at Nine Inch Nails shows and stuff like that. Okay. I kind of fell down this hole for a little while. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Came out. So with uh, Oxenfree... Ben and I even started to get at this a little bit last night when we were like, dude, should we decode all this Morse code? Yeah, when we first get to the top of that tower, the, the comm tower, we could definitely hear very clear Morse code. And I downloaded five different apps on my phone real quick to see if I could find one that could transcribe the audio of Morse code. I couldn't find one for free, and I'm a cheapskate, so we didn't get one. Also realized as soon as the game ended, we could probably look it up, which we did. Found a couple videos we'll link to. One of the videos that came out in January 2016. So this person, the month the game came out, went through, Amazing. decoded all of the Morse code, found some random ones that had like banana and just like random words in it. Uh, and it, it's kind of, I think I was a little disappointed in what the messages were. Some of them were just like, oh, that sounds like something it would say. It was like purposefully mysterious or, you know, it was just kind of like beware the lights or like watch out for the ship or things that don't really add to the game as much as it's like, oh yeah, I guess that fits there. Uh, but there were a few things that led users to actually venture into the world and and, and do something, right, outside yeah. of the game. So the way this ran, you can figure out, uh, there's uh, around the game there are these collections of, of stones that if you stand in yeah. front of them, you will get uh, some kind of secret message. And as you get those messages, uh, and they usually just add to the game, they you know create a kind of atmosphere for the game, but also give you a little bit more of the story. But each one has some letters at the beginning of it. So it'd be like, Alpha, Niner, right. and then you hear this whole thing. So people figured those things out, and the letter tells you the position of the number. So A is the first, so 9 is the first number. Oh. And so that spells out a phone number. Yeah. Uh, and so they called the phone number, and there was uh, an answering machine. Yeah. And at first this was, uh, it was playing a song from the soundtrack with Morse code. Although at first, at first, it didn't play the section of the song that had the Morse code. And the video we were watching was very angry about that. Yeah. So anyway, really bad recording too. Yeah. So then the recording changed over time. Good. And uh, it was changed. Uh, there's, we found a wiki that has uh, the entire history of it. It was changed three times on March 25th, for example. How do they know that? Who who is calling this? So like, great. Oh my oh, gosh. You'll I'm find recording. out in a second. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So then they uh, get a message uh, that says, "Search Twitter for number." Uh, and I can't remember where that was found exactly. It was in one of the soundtracks. And so somebody takes the phone number, Google's it on Google's it, searches it on Twitter, and there is a Twitter account that's X-Ray nine one nine, you know, whatever the phone number is. Yeah, that's right. And so that starts tweeting out the messages that people are leaving on the answering machine. It tweets out the the um, some of the stuff from the answering machine. Okay. And then it also starts deleting some of them. Uh, and the, yeah, so uh, it, it got weird. So then they found uh, in a. P the uh, PS4 trailer, the new PS4 trailer was leaked. They found information in that. They got them to edwardsisland.com. Yep. Okay. Uh, and that led to a bunch of new stuff that got found. And that website changed over time as well. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So all kinds of weird coding. It wasn't just Morse code. It was also alphanumeric substitution codes, ASCII uh, numbers to text conversion codes, uh, all kinds of stuff. And uh, they started to find, finally, some rules. What? And Twitter... the. It was just tweeting out for a while, just like stuff from the answering machine. Then all of a sudden, it started tweeting out rules. So here are the rules. 
It's almost time to go. Select a date and gather your party. The snowy mountain and the river flowing from Canyon will take you to Thornboro. But Fort Ward is only the general area, and there's nothing to find yet. The exact location will only be revealed on the date of travel, and only to the team. What? There will also be something for everyone who took part, whether you go or not. Okay, pause it real quick. Yeah. One of my favorite books from the last 10 or 15 years was Ready Player One. It's problematic. I don't mm-hmm. want to defend that right now. True. But one of the coolest parts of that, and of uh, less so in the movie, but one of the coolest parts is the first 100 pages, 50 pages, whatever, where they start looking for clues. Basically an ARG. It's an yeah. ARG, totally, right? Totally. The it's Easter egg hunt. Yeah. The guy dies. It's the Easter egg hunt. They're all trying to figure out, trying to get his fortune or whatever. And it's through clues that he left in his software and and in real life, too, not just in the software. But I guess it's in his software and in, in, in the Oasis. Anyway, let's back out of that. Uh, that was the cool Spielbergian adventure game, Goonies type thing that drew me in. So that was the coolest part of this game. And that became in a meta way, the coolest part about this game in real life. Right. I mean, that the fact that he's talking about different teams trying to find a treasure chest, right? Yeah. And this is, uh, I, I've left out some stuff. For instance, they figured out um, there was a message once that uh, Milner is Ward, which led yeah. them to realize that uh, Fort Milner was based on Fort Ward. Right. Uh, so that told them the location vaguely. Uh, then they had to choose their party. Well, the way they did that is there was a Discord server that had been set up by X-Ray 91, whatever wow. it is, uh, where people were like trying to solve it together. So that group all got together and chose the party that would go to look for it. Um, wow. Yeah. And they go to look for it. They finally find it. And it is, I cannot wait to show you this stuff. I'm so excited. Right. I haven't seen any of this. So, um, we did this on purpose. I'm let, not just lazy. Let me, <laughs> it can be both. <laughs> it can be both. That's true. Uh, they, w- they went to a battery on Bainbridge Island, Washington. By the way, do all of these games take place in either Portland or Seattle and like, or west of that? It's all because of the Goonies. It's all, it all takes place outside of Astoria. It does. It does. Or in Astoria. Do any of them take place in Astoria? No. So, uh, there Mikey's house is, and it's all, yep. All right, cool. At the battery, they uncovered the object, which was a World War II-esque gas casualty first aid kit sure. that contained a music box and two strips of music, which were Lost and The Beach 7 AM from the soundtrack. And after the object was found, a video was posted by Scientific uh, giving a demonstration of how to use the music box. And in addition to this, there were 16 letters inside the box. They're all from Alex. Well, they're all from different versions of Alex. So oh, okay. I'll read some and I'll show you what they look like. Okay. All right. Letter one. To anyone reading this, my name is Alex. I'm 16. I go to Camino High School. My brother Michael drowned. Do not come to Edwards Island. It's not safe. Okay. Which we'll come back to that, by the way, because that's a message we hear later on in one of the versions. Oh, don't worry. We, oh, got, okay. we got a lot of that message okay. in this box. Oh, okay. Uh, but maybe not exactly that. Letter two. To Edwards Island. Your original name is Abnaki. You are 30 million years old. You live in the Pacific Ocean. Your caretakers died by military warfare. Do not let Alex come. It's not safe. That was a letter to the island itself. Uh, same letter again in code in German, which I guess is from an alternate reality where the Americans lost World War II? Not sure. I'm going to pull out some of my favorites here. To no one. My name is no one. I'm nothing. I go nowhere. I have no brother. It does not matter what you do. No one is safe. Wow. To you. My name is Grrk. I'm Grrk. Sure. I go to Grrk. Your Grrk died, and it's partly your fault. Do not come to Grrk. It's not safe. Yikes. To anyone. My name is Alex. I'm 16. I go to Camina High School. My brother Jonas is not himself. Do not come to Edwards Island. It's not safe. Wow. And finally, a letter from Maggie. The uh, to whom it may concern, this island and its history is a lie. 
that you find in the game. So now let me show you what these things look like because they're pretty cool. I'll just have you kind of kind of react. This is going to be great for listeners. Start right. flipping down. And I'm looking at the pictures. Oh, they look like they're water-stained, like college-ruled letters, and they look like they were found from like a, a high school notebook. Looks right? like they're, what Nick they, Gates would make for a D&D campaign. It looks like what Nick Gates would make for a D&D campaign. Exactly right. Oh, but some of them, white text on a black page typed. Maybe like typed on an x-ray film or something. Yeah. yeah. One of them is like, it looks like it was typed in 1932. One of them looks like it was kidnapped writing where it's just like individual magazine letters. One of them looks like it was written on like a novel. One of them looks like it was written from like a Morse code transcript. Yeah, these are all great. One of them looks like it was written by E.E. E. Cummings. <laughs> it's like text all over the page. Yep. Yeah, these are crazy. Oh my gosh. Nick, well done. Yeah, well done, Nick Gates. Uh, we're going to assume you did this. Yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, so that was the um, culmination of the ARG. Uh, but afterwards, they still had to figure out who would get the object, uh, where to send it. And so after a group vote, it was decided the object would be sent to Alex, a.k.a. Void Mom Time Loops, the creator of the Discord server for her contributions and influence during the course of the ARG. That's cool. Uh, yeah, it's just cool to see a fan community come together cool. and uh, yeah, do this kind of stuff. That's really cool. Jeez. And you can watch a whole uh, video of it, and there's a documentary as well. We'll link to those as well. Man, so, it's a yeah, it's a lot of development making of and ARG stuff. Should we start getting into the gameplay and talk about our thoughts? Yeah, let's just talk about how it felt. Let's talk about our feelings. What did you know going into it? I did not know at all that it was horror or or sci-fi based or whatever. Uh, I thought it was going to be more... For, I thought it was honestly like first person. I didn't know screenshots of it or anything. I thought it was going to be either first person like Firewatchy, uh, walking simulator, or like Limbo, left to right, uh, platformer, which it ended up being mostly. Yeah. Uh, but I did not at all know it was going to be that type of horror sci-fi story. I thought it was going to be more like uh, mist type puzzles around an island. Right. But you're not wrong. Sort of. Yeah, yeah there were puzzles. I, would, I almost wish there were more. Yes, totally. Uh, I guess I do wish there were more. It was definitely much more linear as far as that, that story was concerned. And it did have one platformer element where you had to make a jump. That's true. A, a big jump. And it was fantastic. Yeah. What would um, they call it? Uh, it's, it's a, a me. me. Yeah. I got the It's a me achievement. Yeah, that's fantastic. Yeah. Uh, you can randomly take a shortcut by jumping from one cliff to another. Yeah. Um, yeah. What about like you? Stupid. What did you feel? Um, okay. So going into it, I didn't know much uh, when I downloaded it. I got it uh, for free when I bought a bunch of stuff on GOG. Then uh, I knew it was scary before I played it. And then the morning we sat down to play it, I was listening to a podcast and they absolutely spoiled it. Uh, luckily, it wasn't much to spoil. Uh, all they said is they were talking about um, how death is portrayed in games. They're like, yeah, yeah, like what Oxenfree did with talking about the looping and the way that, uh, you know, the only way to get out is to accept the loop. And I was like, oh, okay, I guess that's the end of Oxenfree. Then I don't know what that cool. means yet. But uh, literally Which, the morning that we were getting ready to do this, I heard a podcast that was over a year old. And they referenced that. Not even halfway through the game. We, we no, had, no. Right? So yeah. that wasn't the end. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. But I, I thought I'd been totally spoiled. So right. going into it, I knew it had to do with death Got and it. something about looping and maybe time travel. Okay. Uh, 
But even if they said like the main character's brother died, oh, yeah, yeah, like, that would be you find that out forty five minutes into the game or whatever. So even that's not a huge thing. Okay, yeah, it handled exposition really well. I thought. Yes, I'm usually really annoyed at exposition where it's like, oh, this person's new to this area. Let's explain everything to this new person, and they and that was Jonas's character, yeah. and I didn't feel like they over explained anything to him. Right. They did a really good job of just bringing everyone in. It felt like a very you know a group of friends that had been friends since kindergarten or whatever, and. Very, very not pedantic in that way, for sure. I think one of the key things that made him such a good character, uh, because he is that uh, everyman new character, just you know, tell me things, is they made him individual in some ways. You know, he's the only yeah. one that smokes. But he's not the, like, Roger Klotz, like, just, I'm the rebel. Right, Doug, right, right. You know what I mean? Oh, my just, gosh. Like, just an a-hole to everyone. Great Doug reference. Or, thank you. <laughs> dude, dude. But he's just, he's just like a normal kid. It's like, yeah. he smokes. Yeah. Yeah, he's got something particular about him. He's right. unique. Yes. Um, it's not, you know, like, the most amazing character ever, but, you know, just yeah, enough so that he doesn't feel like he's just there as an audience uh, substitute. Which may be the, the coolest thing about the five main characters is they all have depth. Yeah. Ren is even Michael so nerdy. Six. It's six. Yeah. Thank you. Ren is, is this nerdy trying too hard guy, but you find out there's some depth there and maybe, maybe he's the most static character, but I would not have not have thought from the get go that he would have been into pot brownies. No, he's the stoner. Yeah. Right. And I, he, I didn't pick on that up on that. Right. Right. Away. Right. Right. This is the fact that the, yeah, the characters are very well thought out and not stereotyped. It's pretty cool. Yeah. For example, when you first meet Nona, she's a little bit quiet, but I never thought that she would like, you know, hang limply four feet off the ground and look at me with devil eyes. Right. Right. That's much more of a Ren type. Feel. Yeah. 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 I totally get that. <laughs> uh, the game right. is creepy. Yeah. The game's creepy. So that's the other feeling I felt creeped out all the yeah. time, man. Which took me a while. Like you, you, the first hour or whatever is spent just kind of like hanging out with friends, and you think you're going to get drunk and something bad's going to happen, or you start seeing the lights in the cave. Right, that's yeah. the first supernatural sci-fi type thing. And at that point, I was getting like, a, uh, we talked, we st- we paused the game, we we're getting a dig vibe. Yeah, it's like, oh, if I hold these crystals in the right order, then I hear this thing. Maybe it's from a planet or aliens or from a satellite. And I'm trying to we we pause the game and have a, somewhere around there to discuss whether this would be the first one of these types of games. That had that kind of sci—not the first, I guess, but one of the rare ones that actually is a sci-fi thing happening. Yeah, yeah and it was. Fi- it was Ghosts. Yeah, Firewatch. It's well, we don't want to actually do. Yeah, on all the a other lot games of these right other now. games you think are going to be either that, or they're going to be a murderer, or right. they're going to be something crazy. Ends up being like, oh, it's just my brother, or oh, it's just this guy trying to protect his kid, or oh, it's just some easy explanation. And it's cool to see someone actually take the step to be like, no, this is going to be Ghosts trying to poltergeist or no trying to possess people's bodies and trying to stay in this realm without passing on and i thought that was handled really well because it was it's easy to have one foot in one foot out on that or to just like pun to be like no it's actually just some homeless guy running around the island playing tricks on people's radios or whatever which would could have been cool but it's fun to see someone actually take that step and say no this is we're taking a stand this is some sci-fi stuff we're jumping in it's going to be terrifying these things are actually happening they're not just hallucinations you're seeing these characters actually die, plus time travel. Yeah, <laughs> we yeah. haven't talked about time travel yet. And, and yet, I don't think I think people would be disappointed if they saw on the box sci-fi horror. If that's the description of this game, because they're yeah. thinking Alien, and yeah. it, it is not Alien. That's true. It, it is coming of age story. Yeah, it is teen um, comedy, Stranger Things ish. Yeah, way. yeah, very Stranger Things ish. Yeah, but I I think that that Stranger Things would be disappointing if you're looking for horror. Yeah, that's true. Uh, and yet there are horrifying things in it. And yeah. so I think that may be some of the reason that some fans didn't quite connect to it. They were hoping for more Resident Evil type horror. Oh, back when that was actually a horror, you know, uh, thing. Yeah. 
uh, Silent Hill, that kind of vibe. Uh, and it's nowhere near that. It's not jump scares. It's not monsters. What it is is uh, it's the horror of staying up late in a tent with your friends in high school and telling ghost stories and actually yeah. creeping each other out, even yeah. though you're kind of making fun of it. Yeah. And that, that was perfect. I think one or two beers playing in my basement. Yeah. We definitely had multiple times where we stopped and we're like, dude, look at my arm. Goosebumps. Yeah. yeah. Like it was some awesome moments in that game for sure. Uh, it's a really good game to play with a friend. Like really yeah. good communal game. Definitely. Definitely. Yeah. And I, I think that's one of the biggest thing, the biggest issues that I've heard people have with this game is the expectations that they set. Yeah. Right. And that's, that goes again, that goes for. Tacoma, Firewatch, a lot of these walking simulator games, the sub five, six hour games that are very linear as well. Yep. That they almost seem like a long movie that people pay 20 bucks for, which I love. I'm I'm happy and ready and willing to pay 20 bucks, especially to an independent company, to give me five hours of entertainment, especially if something that we can talk about for that long as well, for years to come. Yeah. Uh, and something that does something different than Witcher 3 does or Grand Theft Auto does or NBA 2K or whatever other games that you can spend 80 to 150 hours on that don't necessarily impact me intellectually or emotionally as much as this game does. Do we want to do a, a quick overview of the story then? Uh, sure. So we can kind of dive into it more. Yeah, um, we, we can try to. Can I, yeah. can I say something before yeah, we do that? It. Is that, and this maybe I, we should talk about after, but something that I thought this game excelled in, and again, something we talked about midway through the game was we didn't know if this would be, we didn't know if our choices mattered. Right, and this is something that we we talked a lot about on the Telltale games, uh, and whenever the next Game of Thrones game comes out, we'll still play it. We still like those characters and that world and, and Telltale games as a whole. But something that got old quickly to me, and I think to you as well, was the the illusion of choice. Yeah, the fact that we thought we could change stuff, and in the end, we played different games. We played those games separately, and pretty much got the same ending. Yeah, in D and D among DMs, this is called either Schrodinger's Orc or the Quantum Orc. Uh, you nice. say. Uh, there's a path and you can go left or right. And they say, oh, we go left. And you're like, ah, oh, there's an orc. Well, what would have happened if we went right? There would have been the same orc. Yeah. I, I just, I, I've got a linear tail, but I'm pretending that there's like, you can go left or right. And there's plenty of times in this game where that happens, right? There's not thousands of endings to this game. And there's plenty of dialogue trees where, you know, it's yes, I think, uh-huh, or whatever. We're like, okay, whatever you say here, the NPC is going to have the same response or the storyline is going to have the same response. But when we finished the game, it was very clear and it had that telltale type pie at the end where it's like 64% of people decided to, you know, try to, loved to ship that. Ren and Nona or whatever yeah. it was. Yeah. Uh, I love that they showed us that because we even talked about it before it happened. We're like, I would love to know what other people did here. And one really cool thing there is they don't tell you what the other options are. <sighs> so it'd be like, yeah. the big one was, that I noticed that with was Clarissa. That's true. Uh, and it would be like, uh, you know, 43% of people also uh, saved Clarissa. Right. And then you just see that the, the pie is divided into eight different sections. Right. There's an 8%er, a 2%er, and a 25% yeah. or whatever. Yeah, and it doesn't yeah. label any of those. Uh, what else are you able to do? So I think if we weren't doing a podcast, I immediately would have turned the game back on and been like, all right, I'm going to make all the opposite choices. Try to find out what I, or I would have Googled it and figured yeah. out what the other pie choices were. But I quickly looked up a bunch of YouTube videos on how, on what the other pie choices were and found out there are dozens of different endings and most of those endings you can combine. So, I mean, I guess there's technically hundreds of different game story, you know, uh, storylines that you could play throughout this game. And that desire to start the game over immediately comes back to the new game plus expansion. Uh, oh, so sure. let's talk about that in just a second. Let's get through the story oh, and then talk about story. why you do new game plus. All right. Um, okay. So Alex is, uh, she's a kid. She's in high school. She's 17. She goes to Kamina high school, as we've learned from our letters. And she is with her brand new stepbrother, Jonas, and her best friend, Ren. They go to this island, uh, Edwards Island, 
and hang out with Nona and Clarissa. And there was supposed to be this huge high school bash where there's like dozens of people there, but they're the only ones that showed up. And here they are on the island and they start to kind of creep each other out. Pretty quickly, Alex uh, figures out that by tuning in her amateur radio, which mm-hmm. they wanted to do because they could hear voices from the other side sure. only on the island, yeah. she opens a portal to hell or something like that. <laughs> yep. And all of a sudden, everybody gets knocked out, everybody gets separated, and everybody wakes up on different parts of the island. And they slowly find each other. And she solves mysteries. You control Alex the whole time. And uh, you slowly solve mysteries using your radio. The mysteries are creepy as your friends get possessed over and over and over by yeah. some ghosts. On the island, what you slowly figure out is that there was a a very early nuclear submarine that went down on the island, just off the island, and 85 officers were lost on it, uh, and it's their ghosts who are coming back to you. By the way, they're not ghosts. Their spirits have been lost into a different dimension. Yes. Uh, So they're very clear that it's not technically ghosts. However, they're ghosts. Yeah. The other thing that I did not know from our playthrough, but upon reading it, found out is there's a character named uh, Maggie Alderman. Yeah. uh, Or Maggie Alder. Yeah, who has a house on the island. Yeah, and she lived there like forever, and she used to work on the base. Well, she was a um, comms technician, and so she actually uh, helped people navigate, and she got a uh, call one time uh, that there was, uh, you know, an enemy sighted, and she mistook it and said, yes, go fire, and a battleship fired on the submarine, and that's how it went down. And so it was her fault that the sub went down. And so it was her trying to reawaken and trying to, like, fix this that actually opened the rift in the first place right which i love the idea of this whole loop and story being started by someone sending out an alert saying don't come to this island Don't come to the island which alex repeats saying don't come to the island which again the, the only i guess the good ending the right ending the one that feels to me like it would be the right ending which we did not get would be the one that ends with again if you're here spoilers or whatever With before you go to the island, you're hanging out with Ren outside of a, a, a Quickie Mart, and you tune into the radio and you hear Alex saying from some alternate dimension or some previous reality, "Don't come to the island. Don't go to Edwards Island. Don't let your friends go, or whatever." And assume, I guess that that's after you find out if Michael is alive or dead or not. But yeah, some reality where everyone lives and you don't go to the island, but at the same time, some version of you, Alex, is at the island telling you to not go to the island. Yes, and Michael didn't survive if you do that. Because the only way to get Michael to survive is to go to the island, get through a loop, and go back in time. That's fair. Dang it. Yeah. Yeah. No, there's no no ah, good ending. My head hurts. They're all complex. Yeah. Uh, the other thing is the first time you start playing the game is not the first time that she's gone through the loop. Because the first time you play the game, there's references from the ghosts of, come on, we've done this before. Yeah, true. And so this there's is just... you can do to stop us. We've done this before. Yeah, That's this right. is That's just right. your moment to control the loop from Alex. And she, oh she may have done this. Uh, one of the cool things that the ghosts say is we've seen the entire universe from conception to end over and over and over again. Yeah. So they're also in a loop. Their loop is billions of years long. Jeez. So no wonder they're a little bit annoyed, but they're still unwilling to let go and just die. Uh, they describe it as like clinging to the edge of a cliff and not letting go. Wow. So yeah, yeah that's right. Through a, v- a variety of puzzle solving, you're able to save certain people. There's one ending where not only do you save your entire party, but you're able to go back in time change an interaction with your older brother who died before the game starts and actually get him to supposedly have gone on this trip with you because he's alive. And then there's one that Ben alluded to earlier where you're able to uh, give warnings to your past self. Now, the only way to get there is through this new game plus thing. So you go through the game once and you see the credits and everything. There's an ending and it seems like everything's okay. Like ours was pretty good. We got Clarissa out. Like I felt good. I thought we got the good ending. Yeah. Then we got the, the and, tracking at the end. Yeah. <laughs> and then all of a sudden this, this picture that you're looking at 
this cool photograph that you took at the last second to just like commemorate the trip just goes a little bit off center and you hear Alex saying, yeah, and I think I'll have a lot of fun on Edwards Island. You know, I'm bringing my brother Jonas along, uh, stepbrother. Like, I don't really know. This is my first time really hanging out with him. And it's the uh... opening of the game again. And so what you can do then is after the credits, instead of start a new game, it says continue timeline. And this was the expansion that came out uh, five months, I think, after the sure. uh, game was originally released. And there's a bunch of new dialogue. There are uh, new abilities that you can get. The things you say to yourself in the mirror are actually added to yeah. the next playthrough. So when you're actually playing the game for the first time, you get messages uh, in a mirror. Mm-hmm. And they're all from these really weird names that all sound like um, handles, uh, you know, user IDs. Rockstar69 or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. So then... By the end of it, it, it pulls up your handle, whatever that one is. Yeah. Ben, I don't know if you want to out yours. Hans Olo. Yeah, Hans Olo. Of course. Um, and so we get, mess- we get, it says above us, Hans Olo is, you know, communicating. So we get to communicate through the mirror and tell past Alex what she should do yeah. uh, and make decisions based on that. So uh, that leads to this additional post-credit sequence you can get to through after two playthroughs where uh, Alex is told before ever leaving for Edwards Island mm-hmm. not to go. Mm-hmm. It's H-A-N-Z-O-L-O. H. Hanzola, Lord Corlin Hill. On uh, Microsoft Xbox. What Microsoft. Is what is it called? Xbox One S. Xbox no, One? Well, but what's the network? Uh, Xbox Systems Plus. Um, See, you're Harmony. there now too. Where I was two seconds ago and you mocked what's me. What's the LucasArts one? Me. What's that called? <laughs> Habitat. Yeah, it's Habitat. Habitat. Check me out on Habitat, bro. Hans Olo at, at, at Habitat. Yeah, it's tubular. All right. Uh, anything else on the gameplay? Overall thoughts? I thought it worked really well. Yeah. Um, there were a few points that were annoying of retracing your steps uh, because she walks yeah. very slowly. That's the biggest downside for me, too. But that's that's about it. Is If there was a run command, I think I would have enjoyed that. Which there was, sort of. I, I don't think there was. I think sometimes I convinced myself that, that she was walking <laughs> a little faster. <laughs> All right, fair enough. Uh, I was, yeah, I was trying to think of any negatives. I thought, I think more puzzles would have been cool. Yeah. Um, like, th- there was there were a few that, like when you're stuck in the loop and even things like kicking the soccer ball wasn't really a puzzle as much as like, Oh, this is a, I'm figuring out the game as this is happening. There's the big one that happens inside Maggie's house, Maggie, right inside Maggie's house where you're talking with Clarissa and she's explaining it all, all of it. Every last piece. Uh, and, uh, yeah. And it's, you get things wrong. I think we got one of the three, right? Maybe two yeah. of the three, right. And it didn't feel like that mattered at all. It didn't. Yeah. From what I could tell, it, it did not. But it was. It still uh, felt horrifying to get it wrong. The Hangman game, of course, as well. Actually, I think we got one of three right or two. I think we got two of three right. Again, I don't think it mattered at all. Well, hang, Hangmen have more than three appendages. That's true. Yeah, it would have been cool to to get all those wrong and like, oh, Ren's dead now. Or yeah. so, you know, for, so if that to actually impact the end of the game would have been fascinating. Uh, it also felt like those were those games were both heavily stacked against us. Yeah, yeah they were tough. <laughs> Oh, uh, just random trivia. I'm not sure how we could have known unless it was on the second playthrough, right? A lot of that, it, maybe a, a cooler thing would have been to have things like that that were like, oh, you got that wrong. Things you couldn't have known. Yeah. Now, now Ren's dead. So a, a better reason, more of a pull to actually want to play again. Good call. Pre-internet age, this would be a game I'd play eight times. Yeah. 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 Uh, but yeah, I, I, I'm I'm just as satisfied in, in looking at a couple of people YouTube videos to seeing just like, oh, how how did the other games end? How yeah. How best could it have ended? Rather than like spending another four or five hours playing it again. Yeah. I think one of the strongest points um, was the uh, the sprites, for lack of a better word, of the main characters. Yeah. Uh, the animations for them were really, really solid in terms yeah. of just hand motions and things uh, being queued up to the audio. And 
Yeah, that's true. And just creepy as hell. Oh, yeah. When they were possessed. Well, it was because of that the possession worked. Because the yeah. possession was just the sprite not moving. Right. Not not realistic looking. Or yeah. not human movements. Yeah. Looking like a doll. Yeah. With, yeah. You know, just hanging from its sh- or strings. When Nona was blue. That was not cool. That was not, that was not okay cool. With that. I was not. Mm-hmm. Oh, gosh. Not a fan. Which, that was so much more terrifying because everybody else looked so um, realistic. Uh, which is weird to say because it's not super, you know, like photorealistic. It's right. cartoony, but right. yeah. they moved really realistically. They moved very, uh, they had very lifelike movements, uh, yeah. unless they were dangling in midair with glowing red eyes. Right, 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 right. right. Uh, what's the beer? What's the song? Let's do it. This game's pretty fun with frustration. When I was all done, I just had to question what's the beer? All right, I'm going to go with the song that we've already been singing uh, throughout the day and throughout the uh, <laughs> throughout playing the game last night. Going to go back in time. We're doing this again. Did you not notice this? I know. I stopped recording. All right. I didn't record this. No, we've done this before. I know. Stop it. It's looping. Jason's freaking me out. Anyway, Huey Lewis and the news back in time from Back to the Future, uh, which, yeah, goofy video, goofy song, goofy band. And, you know, when you're 16, 17 years old, it's a goofy time in life, which the kids are in this game. So that's that's my song. I don't mind, but you better promise me I'll be back in time. And to take us back in time, uh, Huey Lewis himself used to come into our mailboxes, etc., and fart. So, still smell it. Uh, anyway. Thanks for taking me back in time. Yeah. Can I go back in no, time? All right. Uh, what you got? Mortal Man off of uh, To Pimp a Butterfly. Okay. Uh, Kendrick Lamar. And and really. That's the song? It, it's not the, that is the song in which you hear the full poem that Kendrick wrote for uh, uh, Tupac. And uh, right. so, he, he writes this poem and he gives you it like a line at a time. And then slowly, like repeats the first line, then gives you the second one on the on the second track. And like the, it ends on the every third song track, with yeah. a little bit more of this poem. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, you, and it builds. So that's kind of the looping mechanism of the game. But also, right after he reads the poem, you realize that he's been reading it to Tupac, and Tupac responds mm. to it. Yeah. And they have a whole conversation. The way he did that is he found this obscure like Norwegian interview or something, and then just kind of inserted himself as though he were talking to Tupac. So this way of like bringing Tupac back from the dead, uh, this idea of time travel, this looping idea, and that it's on a track called Mortal Man. Um, like it, it, it's really cool. Um, so yeah, that that's my song. I remember you was conflicted, misusing your influence. Sometimes I did the same, abusing my power, full of resentment, resentment that turned into a deep depression. What's your uh, what's your beer? Founders Brewing out of uh, Michigan, and yeah, it was one of the KBS is the Kentucky Bourbon Stout, which is their beer Kentucky that used to be breakfast stout. Oh, thank you. Yeah, Kentucky Breakfast. Not In Kentucky, bourbon. we have bourbon for breakfast. Yeah, of course you do. Yeah, a bunch of drunkards out there in Louisville. Lexington? Lexington. Wherever that is. Uh, wherever you lived for a few years that I visited you several yeah, times. Uh, Cincinnati, Kentucky. Yes. So, anyway, uh, this beer was, it used to be like Plenty of the Younger or whatever, you know, like the once a year, like there was people waiting in line for two weeks. It was like a Duke UNC game or whatever. And you just heard like myths of people tasting people's beer or smelling the mouth of people who tasted this beer or whatever. And now it's available at like BevMo in San Rafael. Yeah. I had, a, I had a sip of somebody's uh, Canadian breakfast stout uh, at a special beer release thing where people just brought 
their most esoteric beers and open them up to share with people. So CBS is more rare than KBS? At the time, it certainly was. Okay. Um, I, I assume it still is. I haven't spent the time to look for it. But yeah, I hadn't seen KBS ever on the West Coast, and I've seen it three times in the past month. Yeah. It's just like random liquor stores or beer shops or whatever. Worth hunting down. So yeah, we were and we were also drinking that last time when we were watching the game. But yeah, definitely a beer that uh, that is delicious and, and puts Abyss, my favorite beer, kind of to the test. We were comparing yeah. a little bit. Uh, I think the shoots might be a little bit more astringent, a little more yeah. bitter, has some more of the more like licorice, barky type notes. Yeah, you you could just sit down and, and have like two or three KBSs and then not be able to walk. But, uh, you know, That's the true. Abyss, like you're good at one. It's, yeah. It's, oh, yeah. it's, it's, it's a lot it's of flavor. Fun. Yeah. Yeah. All right. What's your beer? Uh, I chose not a beer. Oh. Speaking of things we've been drinking, I chose uh, Finn Lagavulin because the rumor I heard this weekend, Ben can help me out, is yes. that Finn Lagavulin. Yes. Uh, which is Trader Joe's tra- brand. Trader Joe's scotch is yes. actually young Lagavulin. Yeah. So it is this idea of time travel, this idea of different. I mean, scotches have, you know, traditionally you can get like the 15 year, the 10 year, the 20 year, right. all these different things and try them out. And the standard Lagavulin is 16 year. Yeah. yeah. And then uh, the Finn Lagavulin is what, like five year, 10 year? It doesn't even have an age date. But yeah. It could be like three. Or, yeah. And it definitely tastes young. And so yeah. we, we did a kind of a side by side with Finn Lagavulin and, and Lagavulin, like spent some time talking about them and thinking with about them. With Ardbeg and Laphroaig as well. So I guess I got stuck on this idea of looping and that was uh, where I was going with this. Nice. Yeah. Oh, very good. All right. Uh, we're going to talk about what else we're playing, but I think instead of that, we should introduce the new side quest that we're talking about. Oh doing. yeah. Uh, we haven't done the side quest in a while because we've been doing overthink. We've yeah. done a lot of overthoughts type episodes and just, Jason, you've been doing what, uh, what exactly am I watching here with yep. Dom yep. on a weekly basis? Oh, it's been so cool to just like start a friendship with Dom over this. Like I knew totally. him vaguely, but like this has been great. Yeah. Uh, and I've been doing best album ever on, on Overthink as well. So we've been putting a lot of time and effort into that. Uh, but we want to put more time and effort into Malf and we want to start doing more side quests. And one of the things we want to start doing on a monthly basis is talking about game themes and ideas and have more of a free flowing conversation rather than it being just about one game, yeah. but being about walking simulators or about. Uh, the Bioware was one we were talking yeah. about because we started playing KOTOR. That, that's the what else are we playing, right? We've been playing KOTOR together this week. And the first thing that jumps out to us is light side or dark side. Yeah. Should we play as an evil person? Should we play as a good person? Should we play somewhere in between? So like that that sounds like a much bigger conversation than just something to talk about during the KOTOR episode even whenever we have that. But yeah, I think that we'll, we'll release that in a few weeks. We'll have that conversation this week. And, and yeah, I think that'll be kind of the trial episode into our, our monthly side quests into bigger... Bigger video game themes. Cool. Yeah, no, I'm I'm really excited for it. And we'll probably do less research for those and less yeah. editing and just kind of like casual conversation. And more guests, probably. Uh, yeah, but luckily that'll keep us uh, turning out more and more. Definitely, definitely. All right, I think that's all we have for you. What are we playing? Are we going to do that or no? Like KOTOR, I think okay, it's included cool. in that. I, need, I, I just need us to talk about Golf Story, though. We've been playing Golf Story. We've been playing Golf Story. And, and we've ben, been loving it. It's amazing. Yeah. Uh, it's an RPG, but instead of fighting, you play golf. Which that's, sounds like the worst description, even though it's 100% accurate. It's amazing. It, the, the thing that you just never realized is that with RPGs, the turn-based fighting thing is like the least fun part of the game. Yeah. And I never had that. I never realized that until we just played golf story. And I was like, what if instead of fighting, we just played golf? And playing that next to KOTOR, yeah. that was my biggest hangup for KOTOR the first two hours of play. And then you kind of opened that and you're like, no, this is the right way to do it. Because the, the learning mechanic for KOTOR is really tough. As soon as I learned that and got over that mechanic, KOTOR became way more fun. And by the way, it's Knights of the Old Republic. We haven't even said that. Never. Why should we? <laughs> but yeah, th- I mean, the fact that once you get past that if, that, if that's golf and you get the same story, yeah, that's super fun as well. So I like the idea of an RPG having the great story that RPGs hold, 
but the mechanic or whatever that you do when you talk to someone or hang or have some sort of interaction isn't or some sort of altercation isn't fighting, but it's a you know it's a round of golf or whatever. I, I love that. Yeah. Anyway, uh, I think that's all we have for you this week. You can check us out at momf.com. You can you know click on any of the links below in the description if you want to find us on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, anything like that. Do you have anything else to throw out to the? the Go listeners? check out Overthink. We're having fun over there. We are. Uh, Dom and I just finished recording. Actually, we've got one more, uh, two more episodes to record of what exactly am I watching here, and then we will finish the entire run of Twin Peaks. And those are uh, going up a little bit more slowly, so that'll probably finish up. It's going up on a weekly basis. On a weekly basis, uh, but we're recording them a little bit more quickly than that because we, uh, we, you can't wait that long. Because you like Twin the show Peaks. a lot. No, it's really fun. <laughs> so uh, that that will be wrapping up in the next couple months uh, yeah. for those of you who are listening to it. Uh, but get in now if you've never watched Twin Peaks. This is a great way to start. Yep. Uh, we should talk about what we're playing next month. <laughs> That's what we forgot. Yeah. Is it Kotor? It's KOTOR. Yeah. Our original idea for Knights of the Old Republic was we were going to play a couple hours here and there every month because it's like a 50-plus hour game. People have put hundreds of hours into this game. Uh, we are slowly building up your character, learning Force stuff, and going around the universe, the gal- Star Wars galaxies. But I think that if we did that, we'd slowly forget how to play the game and have to relearn it and stuff. And Also, I can't stop playing. We're both obsessed with the yeah. game. So thank you to Richard Nile for introducing us it's to this. It's so awesome. And telling us it was the greatest game ever because he might be right. Yep. And we also have uh, coming up another uh, month, the college years, uh, when yeah. we play one of my students' games. So uh, not sure when that'll happen. It'll come as a regular episode uh, at some point. That can buy us some more time to play some KOTOR if we need or the game after it if we're trying to recover from our 60-hour KOTOR binge. Yep. So check out Malp.com. Check out TheOverthink.com if you if you need more content. Uh, and tell your friends. Yeah. You know, we haven't really made a push in a while. You can check out Patreon.com slash Malp, M-O-L-M-F. Uh, if you want to support us. Rate and review us on uh, Yelp. Yeah, we never uh, say reads. We uh, only We only have three and a half stars on Yelp right now, unfortunately. People came into the restaurant and I was going to the bathroom, so I couldn't serve them quickly enough. You, you could Whatever. have actually gone to the bathroom to do that, though. Oh, my gosh. I was just, just get your own beer when you come to my restaurant. Anyway, stop leaving bad Yelp reviews uh, and please rate and review us on iTunes. If you oh, that too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Anyway, thanks again for listening. Uh, and we'll see you uh, in less than uh, less than a month. We'll see you in a side quest. Thanks again for listening. As always, I have been Ben. And I will be Jason. And I am a mighty pirate. And what do you think you can do? You can't. We're not going back. We can't go back. Thank you for playing Hudson Free.